Welcome to Autoimmune Revolution Radio. I'm your host, Justin Janoska, clinician and founder of the Autoimmune Revolution. After watching my mom suffer with autoimmune disease, I have made it my mission and purpose to help people like you. Unlock the door to better results, regain control of your body, and feel like yourself again. I want you to become an autoimmune alchemist and get your life back. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. May you be filled today with joy, abundance, and loving kindness. Peace and love. Without sadness, we might not be able to recognize or feel joy. We are aware of negative states partially because they contrast with positive ones. Whenever we try to cut out one side of our emotions, we dampen the other side. I wrote that on my Instagram stories this morning. And if you don't check out my Instagram stories, please do that. And you can see the quote of the day. And this is a little bit interesting, right? Because what we're really saying here, and this might not be a surprise or anything new to you, but something that we struggle with as humans is to make room for all emotions and greet them, treat them like an honored guest, as I say. And what's interesting about this is that, and and I remember reading this um, somewhere and I thought about it and I said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? If we cut out or avoid one emotion like sadness or grief or fear, unless I did that for many years, I know wholeheartedly what that's about. Do we ever really get to experience the opposite emotion, right? So if you avoid fear your whole life because you don't like it and it's painful, do you really know what safety is? That's the opposite. I mean, sure, you might have had moments where you're, you feel safe and secure and comfortable, but when you really embrace fear and you feel what that is, and then you find a situation where you feel safe, it's like an amplified, enhanced um version of safety like the, the the feeling is probably more intense it's much more um what's the word i'm thinking of it's much more prominent and you might say this with even uh like hot and cold water like maybe you've you avoid cold plunges like i do in <laughs> cold water and you're like i will never touch cold water right and because you don't do that you never really get the full experience of what warm water is like, yeah, sure. You've been in warm water. You've been in a hot tub maybe, but when you have felt the opposite of that, it's like, wow. Then And then when you're back in the warm water or back in joy or happiness and you experience that, you're like, wow, this is a, a new experience. It's actually much bigger than it previously was. So even, even new, um, found newly found appreciation or, or just simply a greater experience, right? It's like if you haven't eaten pizza or your, or your favorite food for like five years and you eat it again, it's like, wow, this is like amazing. And you enjoy it more then than you did in the past, perhaps, okay? So again, in short, it's just about the importance of greeting these feelings like an honored guest. It's not easy, but setting the intention to do it is really what matters and what I teach clients. Um, no one's ever really good at doing it, but we can get better at it. It is a skill set we can develop. So we are going to talk about stress today. And I'm going to go through the stress response in the body and kind of what happens at a physiological level. This is more about that discussion today. I'm not going to get into so much the psychological and the trauma and those sort of things that might um, create the stress response, but 
the fact that we go through something that is quote unquote stressful and there are changes in the body and what happens and how does that relate to symptoms and the things we all deal with and complain about, about our body and what we're experiencing, right? These are real difficult things. Um, and I really am doing this because I want you to understand like how pivotal this is. I, I really say to everybody in my clients that stress management is the most important thing. I mean, if you want to get your hormones balanced, your gut health to improve, you want to have better tolerance to foods, if you want your IBS symptoms to go away, if you want more energy, if you want your sex drive to go up, if you want to clear brain fog, get pregnant, any of these things and more, improve your skin health. It's going to come back to stress management. The problem is that we're not really good at it or we think it's about the, the circumstance. It's not about the, the, the reality and what happens, but how you respond to it. We know we probably know this. So hopefully my goal today is to, to share with you what kind of happens at the, at the physiological, biological level so you can see how significant this is and why you really need to get good at managing stress uh, appropriately. Um, and just give yourself, give yourself some grace though. It's not an easy turnaround. It takes time, but we can all do it. I had to do it for myself. And when you see how important it is, you're going to have hopefully this sort of insight of like, okay, wow, this is really a big deal. And now, now I can see why I'm having a hard time getting results when I'm doing quote unquote, everything right. Okay. So let's start with terminology here. So we have you stress. Eustress is good stress. It results in, we all have stress in our life. Let's be clear about that. And it's not like it's all bad. Okay. If you have a deadline you have to meet for work, there's stress around that. You have to move and get things done and you're running around frantically and thinking a lot and that can be good. Um, so there's good stress and this results in motivation and focus and excitement and enhanced performance, like I said here, um, productive energy, and that can yield a positive outcome. So ultimately, having control of the situation, getting things done in a short amount of time for a certain outcome is good stress. And then we have distress or quote unquote bad stress. I don't like the word bad because it has this dichotomous thinking and implied and it's not black and white. Okay. So with distress, this is a lot of what we get stuck in. Okay. So it's like, well, there's past trauma. There's a current situation that is making me feel a certain way. Maybe, um, you found out some bad news or maybe your dog ran away or you got into an accident and whatever that is, it's causing you to, to shut down or be withdrawn or isolate or, be stuck in fear or it impairs your performance, your ability to show up fully. And there's a negative outcome in it. And it often doesn't just like let last for five minutes, but it could be persistent for many hours or days or even weeks. And for a lot of people, it's years. Okay. So that's the sort of stress that I'm kind of referring to here and how that leads to most of our disease states. Now, I will say that the good stress, you might say, can turn ugly too. You think about performance um, in athletes and people do CrossFit or bikini competitions or things like that. I mean, that's that's different type. It's a different type of stress or even just overworking. Like that can be good for a while until it really wears and tears your body up. 
So that, that also can turn south and it does for many of my clients too. So here, here's the step, here's the process of how stress works in the body on a, in a simplified explanation that is. All right, so let's talk here about this stress response in the order of events that occurs. So you have a situation, you have a toxin, a pathogen, whatever, that is causing the brain to perceive it as stress because stress could be literally anything. Okay, it's not just like situational. And so the brain picks it up and it transmits that sensory information, the emotional information, to the autonomic nervous system. Okay. And you've heard of this. There are two components to the ANS, the sympathetic side and the parasympathetic side. Most of us are stuck in the sympathetic side, which is responding to danger and stress and all these things. And parasympathetic is clearly the opposite, which allows you to rest and digest. Right. I think that's pretty easy to understand. So when you go through a stress response, there are a number of hormones and a lot of things that happen within milliseconds, literally. Okay. So you have epinephrine and norepinephrine or adrenaline and noradrenaline, you might say. And that is the first thing that comes out of that, that comes out in the stress response. And in case you want to know, uh, about 80% ish of norepinephrine is produced through the sympathetic fibers. It's really like a, yeah, it's a neurotransmitter and it, it releases directly into the target tissue. And the other 20% of norepinephrine comes from the, the adrenals. So this has um, a big effect on blood pressure. Okay. This is again, how stress can lead to cardiovascular issues because it's initially stimulating norepinephrine and then epinephrine adrenaline follows and 100% all of the adrenaline you make comes from the adrenal medulla and it has vastly more effects on the body than norepinephrine does. And this is what leads to contractibility and increased heart rate and sweating and perspiration and things like that. And then after that cortisol follows. A lot of us think of cortisol when we talk about stress, and that's true, but it's not all about that. That comes after epinephrine and norepinephrine are released. So really, norepinephrine and epinephrine provide that immediate jump start to the stress response. And then cortisol provides the ability to sustain the response until the stressor is removed. So things start to get dysfunctional and things go awry when there is sort of an imbalance here because what really happens for people who experience a lot of distress is they'll have the surge of catecholamines or epinephrine and norepinephrine, like I said, and, and cortisol, and that will serve them for a period of time and cortisol will be really high and that can be also very damaging to the body, but eventually it dips down. I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday and how people with, with trauma, we can see in research that people who have been abused or have had complex trauma or even PTSD show very low levels of cortisol. And some subjects have high cortisol, but it depends, right? Everyone's different, but we know that there are 
uh, major changes that occur with these hormones. And cortisol oftentimes is kind of hitting rock bottom after years and years of stress. Your body can't keep up with the demand. So it's not an issue with the adrenals, not making enough cortisol. Um, and even your, your catecholamines might even be low. Um, we can actually see, I see this in labs with clients too, where the, the byproducts of, so, so basically epinephrine and norepinephrine would break down into other, um, two other compounds called homovanilic acid and vanilmandelic acid. And what you need to know here is that you can measure these and see if they're high or low. And a lot of times when they're low, it's because of exactly this, your body is just kind of wiped out. And I see this all the time with clients who have got chronic autoimmune disease or trauma even, or both. And that's mostly what I see is low levels of these catecholamines or even cortisol. But a lot of times, a lot of times it starts off high as in the case of cortisol, and then it drops down over the years. And you measure that through a saliva, four point saliva cortisol test. That is the gold standard. It's not in blood. So if you do a blood test of cortisol, you might see something different. Um, and it may not reflect into actually what's happening. And uh, doctors may not do this. So you, you really want to do it on your own, or you can work with someone like me, we can get it for you. But that's how you really know. Um, that's the true measure of whether or not, whether you're in stress or not. Um, I, I say it all the time. If you don't think you're under stress, because a lot of us are conditioned to experience stress and we're used to feeling this way because it's been our life the whole time. It's like our new normal. Then you're not going to know. And your conscious brain is going to say that we're not in stress, but your body's saying otherwise. And I can prove it to you through a saliva cortisol test and even heart rate variability or, or HRV. That is actually even more accurate or more of a reflection of stress in the system. And then you can look at thyroid levels like reverse T3 and things like that. But to me, HRV and cortisol are the bigger biomarkers. And that, that is how you know. So it's tricky because if we're not aware of this, we're not going to be interested in maybe evaluating this or finding out. But if you just understand your personality and your history and kind of what you've been doing with your life for the past couple months or years, you can start to hopefully be open-minded enough to explore this um, and kind of challenge yourself and say, well, maybe I am under stress. I just don't, I'm not aware of it. So believe it or not, you can actually be addicted to stress hormones because when your body is going through stress and is releasing these hormones, it's also releasing endorphins, which are opioids. And that has uh, those are released when your body is in pain or, or feels stress, right? And it helps to relieve the pain. It's kind of like what happens when you get a massage or you're eating good food or exercising or, or having an orgasm, right? That's what happens. So for people who have type A personalities or are workaholics or overachievers or addicted to exercise, things like this, I mean, it can cause us to be addicted to that feeling and then we keep doing the thing to experience that. So that being said, it may not feel like a stress to you because that is what feels normal to you. And when you're so caught up in it and you're not separated from it, it doesn't feel like a problem. But your body is going through a lot of problems itself and it's going to show you through symptoms, which is the point of this discussion. And it comes down to really allostatic load. Not about so much the fact that we go through these 
experiences in life that cause us to feel stressed, but the fact that there is a bucket that we have and each everybody has their own different uh, stress bucket sized. Mine might be bigger than yours or yours might be bigger than mine and it might feel quicker than yours or vice versa. And that is what, that is what all, allostatic load is. It is the accumulation of stressors that, that the body can handle. And when it reaches a, cer- a certain threshold, it's what leads to imbalances. Stress that is too frequent and cumulative over time leads to this biological breakdown. And that is what leads to what I said earlier about changes in hormones and the nervous system and the immune system evidenced by a decrease in heart rate variability or reduced insulin sensitivity, you're gaining weight, increased blood pressure, increased fasting glucose, changes in, in, in other hormones or a depletion of estrogen or lack of ovulation, you lose your menses. There's your, well, that's another thing I should have mentioned is that if you're not ovulating, that that's your biggest clue right there. If your cycle is off, I would say even, even if you are ovulating, that is still a clue that there's stress in the system because if your body felt safe, it wouldn't be doing that. And when your body doesn't feel safe, it's in survival mode and it's, it's because you're experiencing stress. So you don't have to look very far to see that there's stress in the body. Just look at your cycle. But again, even if you have a normal cycle, it doesn't mean that there's an absence of stress. It just may not be that severe or it may not reflect into your reproductive system. So in short, an overactive sympathetic nervous system here is really the heart of this issue. And that's what leads to a lot of the problems that we're experiencing. And then you get into like the more severe or more um, societal issues of heart disease and type two diabetes and obesity and metabolic syndrome and osteoporosis and depression and, and acceleration of aging and these things that really do happen for many people. But when we're talking about autoimmune disease and what I really specialize in and even PCOS and trauma, like this stuff really is the issue. And it, it really feeds back into the problem because those things, um, stressors in your life that you've gone through, largely psychological stressors and situational stressors, they release these hormones and it breaks down the body. Um, and those things, those hormones like cortisol especially can actually change the trafficking, trafficking of immune cells and that leads to more inflammation. Okay. And so all this stuff kind of feeds right into each other. And it's hard to kind of shut that down if your personality or behaviors don't change, or if you don't know how to get a grip on your stress response. And it really has to do with us. You know, it's not about the situation or the person or the thing like, yes, you can work on that and do your best to control that as much as you can, but it really, the onus is on us. So this is a a very shortened explanation of the stress response that hopefully you can understand, but it really is important for you to realize if you don't, that mismanaged stress and the inability to regulate cortisol is going to make healing virtually impossible because it's kind of undoing a lot of the good things you're doing to the body. And this is what I've been saying for many years. Um, 
is that if you don't figure this out with the right support, and we can all do it, you just need the right support, then it's going to be it's going to really be really hard to lose weight. Period. You can't. It's you're basically in survival mode, and that is the key to getting out of the symptoms and getting into remission and having the results you want. More energy, feeling comfortable in your own clothes, and all that good stuff that we want. And I want that for you, but you really have to just look at this from a new pair of eyes and a new lens, and understand that you can do it and you have support. But it, def- it definitely takes some work because it's not about changing. People will say to me, are you saying I have to quit my job and I have to move? And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that at all. I have clients that are first responders, firefighters that are 12, 12 hour shift workers in the hospitals or nurses or, you know, this stuff is their life and they're not going to quit their job. I'm not going to tell them to do that. But that is very stressful to the body. Just your circadian rhythm is kind of off, but. Um, you can recalibrate things, you can adjust things in your lifestyle to make it work. And that's really what we do. And we can still find a way to do it, but it's just going to take some, take some effort. So I think really the, the, the key here, the key, the key message here is to really understand how important this is. And first see if you are, see what degree of stress you're in, if you feel like you might be and do these labs and ask me if you need help with that, because that's going to give you the truth. And if that's the case and you don't know how to manage it, then we can talk about how to do that. And that's really at a personal level. You can't really do an episode on this and how to manage stress. It's, it's way too detailed and specific to the person. You can for sure take adaptogens and things like that, like ashwagandha, rhodiola and holy basil and eleuthero and ginsengs and whatnot. But while that's helping modulate the cortisol response a bit, it's not changing the consciousness and the person inside that is creating really all of it. Okay. So that is kind of where I, what I target with clients and why you really want to focus on you and just kind of recreate your whole life style in a way. Um, and find out what is causing you to react the way you are or to behave a certain way and having these personality traits. Cause that's stuff that really keeps us in these stress patterns. So I hope that was helpful and it wasn't too confusing or too much, but just know that you have support and I'm here for you if you want that. I do this all the time with clients. This is literally like the, the meat and bones of my work with clients because when they get this figured out, like everything changes, they just get better and I don't have to do so much work. You don't have to like fix the body and do all these fancy things. And I really wish more people knew this because I'm not making this up. Like I literally see it and they can tell you this too. All right. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you so much for your time today and listening. I hope this was helpful. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Justin Janoska or send me an email at, uh, well, Justin at, at the autoimmune revolution.com and happy to help any way I can. All right. Peace and love to you. Have a beautiful day and I will see you next time.